a mistake. I now see the truth. What's your double? What's your price? What's, what's, what's your price? I can, I'm, sure I, I'm sure I can still borrow some money to buy one of those. Never nice tech. Mark, hi, good morning. Good morning on Women's Week and Women's Month. Haven't our ladies done us proud on the sports field, right? I know, I know. It's it's just incredible. I actually started watching netball because <laughs> sport is the place where we get it dry. You've got common interest and national pride. Yeah. And frankly, those are the two elements that are missing from our national debate. Okay. Yay for the ladies. Yay for Bayana Bayana to making it to the final 16. Yay for the ladies in Cape Town that gave us a good showing on netball. And so we've got lessons to learn. In fact... I'm not sure who'd win if we pitted Banyana Banyana against Bafana Bafana, but I'm not. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, I think the money might be equally split. I mean, it's interesting. You know what I think is interesting about the soccer? Yeah. Is how many of the teams don't come from the, you know, the, the, the traditionally powerful nations. Yeah. So, you know, Jamaica and Nigeria. Unfortunately, just being kicked out by England in a penalty shootout, by the way. Yeah. And us. And, you know, it's just fantastic that the hierarchy of soccer, which has been established over years and years and years, doesn't apply to women's soccer because it's all new. So we've got a completely new ball game, so to speak. So to speak. And the skill set and the competition and the crowd and all of that stuff, it's fun to watch. I'm enjoying it. And I can tell you that in the fullness of time, no, it's great. as that sports becomes more interesting, competitive, the gate takings are going to start climbing up. Yes. And the rewards for the players are going to start climbing up with him. And, and then we have solved all of this stuff. So I'm loving it. Yeah. Anyway, to less joyous things, let's talk about the mother city. Hmm? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, God. You know, I've got myself into a little bit of trouble because I think that taxi industry is valuable, necessary, extraordinary industry, blah, 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 blah. But I think taxi drivers are kind of thuggish. And I think the industry is in terrible shape from a sort of public acceptance point of view, which they don't realize the overlap between illegality and sort of danger on the roads and, you know, all of those... Thuggery. Like, thuggery, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm so on the side of South Africa's law enforcement in the Western Cape. But maybe I'm wrong. Am I wrong? As the Western Cape police overplayed their hand? That's the one question here. To answer that, first of all, things get heated and things get out of hand. And if you're at the coalface of the engagement, I'm sure that on both sides, some spillage happens that people regret afterwards. But I'm on the same side of the law. But the real issue is this. We don't have a public transport system that we can use reliably, safely, and predictably. I know people who live in other countries who never use their own car unless they're going away somewhere for the weekend, and they don't have to. Yep. And it's because they've got a functional public transport system. And that goes way beyond just passenger transport. Yeah. But Mark, Mark, it's worse than that. It's worse than that because we can't establish one because the taxi industry really has taken a grip of the whole public transport system and has all of the politicians in their pockets. Politicians are, you know, they bend over backwards to kind of look after the taxi industry. Well, not entirely. I must say there is a lot of public funding of public transport systems here and there, not large. And the taxi industry doesn't get that, right? No. So, you know, that's a point on their part of the balance sheet. But So that's a given. That doesn't mean to say it has to stay that way. 
I don't think we can combatively solve this thing. I think, like so many other debates in South Africa, we have to invite the two sides into a room that is defined by intersections and common purpose. And so you can't replace the taxi system, but you can engage with it. You can make it part of the solution. You can make, you know, appropriate payment arrangements and all of those kinds of things. And you can somehow intersect the needs and the facilities that are available. So I don't buy this thing about, well, you know, we're never going to solve it. You know, I mean, I read the other day, just moving away from people transport to other transport, that one train is the same as 400 trucks on the road. Okay. Now, you know, the, 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 I think it was the department that defended the fact that, well, we can't let them use rail because it's unreliable. And so that's why. Oh, well, rubbish, man, fix the rail. Okay. Because like in everything else that's going wrong here, and there's too much going wrong, man, in everything else, the unforeseen circumstances, the knock-on effects of this core fault are what we're seeing spill out into violence. And I read this morning that there was this 11-year-old kid okay, that couldn't get on public transport to go home from school, which, by the way, was 30 kilometers away from where he lived in Kyle So this 11-year-old kid started walking home. We can't do that. We can't have that. Yeah. You know what I think is an indication here of the power of the taxi industry was that, you know, the rear via system that they had in Joburg, they couldn't establish that without giving the taxi industry a cut of the system. You know what I mean? It was, they react instantly, violently, buses get burnt, they sort of go to war. The first course of action is to go to war. So, you know, I don't know whether the rear via system still works in Joburg, but I don't think so. But basically, that has been destroyed. And, you know, they send in their thugs and close down, you know, they smash up the railway stations and they... Yeah, that's that's the status quo. Oh, but you can't say that's okay. You can't say we can't do anything about it. I disagree with that fundamentally. I mean... No, no, no. I'm not saying we can't do anything about it. Let me say this. Yeah. I mean, they are the one of the most efficient courier systems in South Africa. Taxis. Yes. You can give your cell phone a taxi rank X to be delivered at taxi rank Y and it'll get there. Well, mainly because the sucks will make sure it does at the right price. But but what happens if you started rethinking the role of the taxis and the intersection between the requirements of the public service and the promise of private enterprise? To be honest, that is what was required in the post office. That's what's required in all of these legacy failed models of economic systems that, that aren't intersecting at the right level. And so... The time has come for leadership to go, bring your tough boys, we'll bring ours. Let's look at the pot. Let's look at the market and let's go, how do we make this work for you and for us? And let's cut a deal. Yes. You know, let's cut a deal because the cost of cutting a deal is trivial when measured in lives as the alternative. No, 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 that's true. So cut a deal, man. Stop it. I'm with you, obviously, but, you know, I do think <laughs> that... Uh, you can't say I'm with you and then say, but, but you can't do this but thing, Tim. You know, one <laughs> of your premises has to be, you know, when there is a law, you abide by the damn thing. I mean, I think it's significant that this taxi strike is happening in the Western Cape because, you know, the Western Cape is the only country which is uh, only... Province, sorry. Ooh, oh, dear. Oh, you're going to get into trouble for that, boy. <laughs> <Oops. laughs> <laughs> it's the only independent country in South Africa Ouch. where the traffic department is putting up a fight because of the rest of the country, they've stopped fighting. 
you know, and the result is traveling in an area where there's a lot of taxis is like a game of chicken. You know, it's dangerous. It's dangerous for everyone. Um, the fact that South Africa's allow taxis to just drive willy-nilly through robots and they're really a kind of law into themselves on the roads. And, uh, you know, I think that's wrong. I mean, I, but, but I know what you're saying, that there is, there is room for an attempt to try and discover more about the market and how we could make the market slightly more efficient. Because, you know, what's happened here is obviously the costs for the taxi industry are exploding. People's incomes aren't increasing at the same rate and they are being squeezed. From that perspective, they have a legitimate gripe. You can change this heading to anything you like. You can change yeah. it to healthcare. You can change it yeah, to yeah, education. Yeah. You can change it to transport. You can change it to any subject you like where there is not an intersection between the capacity of the private sector and the will of the public sector to cut a deal. Yes. And I'm afraid that is at the core of this and that is absent because the leadership to gather it is likewise absent. And so... We can talk about any subject you like, and that's the common denominator. That's the lowest common denominator that we're heading toward. Yeah, right. Anyway, come on, man. Let's talk about it. People told me we've got to have fun on this little show, and so this isn't fun. Okay, <laughs> so come on, man. Change the subject already. You're the fun guy here. Let's move on. Let's talk about let's talk about sources of capital and our future. How about that? Oh, yes. No, that sounds extremely exciting. Let's just go straight there. I mean, let's not talk <laughs> about the fact that you, Nisa, one of our proud institutions of distance learning is now being considered for going under administration. That's just kind of sad thing, okay? It is. It's kind of not great, Because eh? it was one of the educational, functional ecosystems that was exactly necessary in our country. So who messed that up? Oh, I struggle to get the word messed up when I've got something else in my head. But anyway, okay. So <laughs> just, just on sort of access to capital and that part of the conversation. Yeah. I have to say, and I say this with a high degree of fun and entertainment and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Have you noticed how much money is leaving South Africa? <laughs> <laughs> Could you put Tim back on the line, please? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, in its droves, my friend. In its, in its droves. And, you know, literally, little incidents. I saw an Australian news clip, which I don't want to share with anyone, that focused entirely on what's happening in Cape Town and the political songs that are still being sung. And it didn't do our, it's not going to do our tourism any good. So there's going to be less capital coming in. But there's a new pool of capital which I'm encountering in okay. various capital-raising efforts that I find myself involved in called occasionally impact capital or patient social capital, whatever you want to call it. It's capital that seeks to earn not a return only measured in money, but a return measured in the impact that it has on society. Yes. Okay. And it seems to me that almost every pool of capital is allocating a piece to that social conscience, to that purpose. And that's a very encouraging thing. And there's a massive pool of that capital internationally, which perhaps we can bring to bear as a foundation for more adventurous capital in our country. I don't know what exposure you've, you've seen lately to, to pools of capital. Too. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I'm beginning to see a little bit of a change of attitude on, you know, sort of capitalists have really regarded themselves as, you know, they function as a really separate part of the social process. I think a whole bunch of things have happened in sequence around the world, which has really made that idea moot. 
Mm. Whether or not the solution to that, the impact capital investment, in its current form is the solution, I'm not sure. No. But, you know, definitely the old idea of the difference between the good that government does and the good that the function of, of business is business, you know, the, those sorts of ideas, they are now long, long gone. It's uh, very interesting. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because I spend a lot of my time on this stuff and the composition, the mixture of capital in the balance sheet has changed. It used to be kind of debt or equity finished. Yeah. Now it's layers of different risk, different purpose capital, which come together in a functional combination that ensures, you know, the longevity of the organism that it's funding. And that's required new thinking and with it, new ideas about value. What constitutes value? What is the valuation of a forward cash flow? Is it a virtuous form of cash flow? And all of these things are positive developments, particularly for us as a developing country looking for foreign direct investment, which I must tell you is really the only solution to our countries. We have to become an attractive capital destination because I just read this morning that treasury is fresh out of money. Okay. I've heard that Treasury is like cutting everyone back. There's no more money. Have a nice day. And the only alternative to that would be to print money. Okay. There is. And so when we go down that track, we get to my one number of the week, which is the inflation rate in Argentina is 115%. So, wow. Can't do that, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, the, the, I'm getting the same sort of messages about money in government. It's just run out. You know, they've started a whole bunch of government departments. I think the basic problem has been hiring the Department of Tourism. You know, that used to be about 40 people. It's now 500. There's now a small business, Department of Small Business. Also, another 500 people. What do they do? You know, what are they doing? Look, no further than the ministers. You know, you see very little evidence of them in the markets out there. So, you know, it's... I'm sorry, but in those two examples, you need look no further than the ministers who were in charge while that happened. Okay. Uh, I rest my case. <laughs> okay. We must never forget <laughs> that the government's only source of income is tax. Okay. At our peril. Do we have a flight of capital out of this country? And do we have the lack of investment and growth and all of those good things which deliver profitable businesses which can pay tax? If we ever imagine a world where tax is diminishing at a rate which it is in our country now, then you start imagining a failed state. Yes. And we have to combine the forces of economic prosperity with the sort of ideals and goals that we need to achieve in our country. And the two need to live in the same bloody house, man. And they don't. They, 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 they live apart. They're not welcome in each other's house. And until we cross that barrier, I'm afraid it's not going to go well because the private capital is going to go and the public capital is going to run out. I mean, how clear can this be? Mark, can I ask you a question? <laughs> yes, you can. How, how worried are you about debt around the world, the, the sort of total level of debt. Because my number for this week is that credit card debt in America has now broken the $1 trillion mark. Do you think we are spending our children's future or is debt conceptual? No, well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it is, it's a valid question. I'll tell you why. I mean, first of all, our children need to have a tougher so they must look after themselves. <laughs> They've got too much going for them, you yeah, we do our children no favor by bringing them up in a protected society. By not spending the money due to them. 
You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so uh, yeah, no, I'm all for it, and it's for your own good, boy. Okay, so uh, does it really matter? Okay, and I'll tell you why I say that because it's actually about the strength of the currency. So you can print money till you go blue in the face. And America, you know, has this fabulous fight every year about the debt ceiling, but then eventually they have to solve it because it's just a nonsense fight. Okay. So the trouble is, as America prints money, their currency goes down, which makes them better at exports. And so then Japan prints money. So that they're not, and so we have this fight about relative value or purchasing power of currencies, which is a fight to the drain and debt or interest rates, which are the, you know, the genesis of the debt debate, are actually a geopolitical tool, not a financial consequence as we ordinary individuals tend to focus on it. Yes, yeah. People too people confuse your own personal balance sheet yeah. and the balance sheet of a state. It's one of the sort of big problems. Yeah. And you know, people were very worried when Japan's national debt went to more than 100% of GDP. It's now 250% of GDP. (laughs) And, you know, the country seems to be still standing. And I think people forget that for all of the debt, there is the flip side of the debt, which is the credit, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, giving examples of the futures markets in commodities, including things like maize and, you know, whatever, where farmers borrow money, but their repayment is what they produce right. in maize. So you can finance your crops on the forward curve of maize because that's what you make. Well, if you're a country, you make money. So you can borrow yourself into oblivion because you can make more money every day of the week. The trouble is you become less and less globally competitive. Now, for individual, right, that's a different matter because we can't make money beyond what we're being paid. There is a tipping point where there is no yield on your effort which matches the cost of your lifestyle. Yes. And then it's kind of over. Okay. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna sell my Ferrari. I shouldn't have bought it. Uh, it was a mistake. I now see the truth. What's your double? What's your price? <laughs> what's what's <laughs> What's your price? I can, I'm sure I I'm sure I can still borrow some money to buy one of those. I mean have a nice tag. Yeah. Oh god. Mark, put a pin in it. In the balloon. We should pop the bubble with that pin. Cool, man. Till next time. Till next time. Look after yourself. Thank you, Tim. Cheers, man. Cheers. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. The biggest pod network on the continent. For sales inquiries, please contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.